Hello, everyone. We're live. I'm Yancy Kershaw, and joined by Matty Sleeper. Hello, everyone. And this week, we're in acknowledgement of the fact that it's the 20-year anniversary, I believe, of Silent Hill 3 coming out. Yeah, it was uh, It was on Saturday. It was two days ago. Yes. Uh, please watch the uh, retro three-minute review we did for it pretty recently, if you haven't. Yeah, I'll toss that in chat. We wanted to talk about the difficulty of following up a masterpiece, which I, on my pitch was that we just call this the curse of the third game. Sure. <laughs> because, uh, uh, as you might have noticed from the thumbnail, it's almost inevitably the third game where things start going downhill. Not mm-hmm. necessarily just games either. I mean, I'm no. thinking of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy, as one always does when we think about dodgy third installments. Yeah, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. I still, I think Dana Rises has still had its merits. I think it has its merits, and I think a lot of these threes also have their merits, but a lot of them do yeah. not reach the highs of uh, the, their no. seconds. No, I think that's a fairly inevitable formula. You start with the mm-hmm. first one, things are a bit shaky, you're introducing new concepts, you, and then with the second one, everything's already introduced, so you can really get down and dirty and get your teeth into the subject matter. So often the second installment is the best. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, uh, inevitably having to follow up the best one, tends to tends to not do so well. Yeah, and there are, with the caveat, there are plenty of examples that uh, uh, go against exceptions that prove the rule, um, and we'll we'll talk about those as well. So don't, there's no need for everyone to just start listing games like like Halo and Gears of War and Metal Gear well, Solid, where the third well, ones are first, good. Well, first I want to defend the argument that Silent Hill Three isn't that good. Okay, please. The floor because is yours. this is this has long been a point of mine. As you know, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Silent Hill Two, and uh, the Silent Hill franchise generally. But I always mm-hmm. thought, thought thought Three was a bit overrated. I know a lot of other people like it, and I'm not saying it's a bad game. I sure. think it's still one of the uh, the early Japanese developed Silent Hills, and there go better than all the other Silent Hills, and better than a lot <laughs> so of other games. I was about to say it's still one of the four best Silent Hill games, which yeah. are Silent Hill One, Two, Three, and Four. Yeah, it's easy to remember, really. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think it's got a lot of positive points. It's full of really uh, interesting imagery and uh, very effective horror set pieces. Mm-hmm. But I'm a narrative guy, and I think the plot leaves me a bit cold. The cutscenes are kind of awkward and badly acted as well. Silent Hill yeah. 2 uh, was uh, a very personal story about one man's descent into guilt. Silent Hill 3 was trying to continue the plot of the first game, which uh, which was, was just evil cult tries to summon evil god and destroy the world, which I always thought was a bit cheesy. And that's yeah. why I think Silent Hill 3 suffered from following it up. And it was just existing in this massive shadow. Um, mm. and, and that's kind of hard to do. And so it's like that idea of do you replicate the success from before do you try to build upon it do you try to zig where where the previous game zagged um, see a flash in the pan success like silent hill 2 is very difficult to build upon mm-hmm. you can't just like add an extension to it it's like yeah. you've got a perfectly nice house with a lovely um frontage but if you just add an extension to it it inevitably looks a bit ugly yeah just bolted something on <laughs> yeah. if you've done everything you need to do and most people like put all their effort into the second one. Uh-huh. Uh, then the third one inevitably feels like artificial extending just for the sake of getting more money. Yeah. Very few people like go into the first one with the third one in mind. Sure, sure. Whereas uh, so many times you see a first game and you're like, oh, I can 
absolutely see where if they get another shot at this, they can like build upon the the foundation and they don't have to do the kind of throat clearing that exists in an original game and the table setting and everything. They can learn from what worked and work what didn't. And that's how you get games like Silent Hill 2 and Uncharted 2 and Infamous 2 and Mass Effect 2. And, cool. And well, let's get into those. Infamous yes. 2, of course, was followed up by Infamous Second Son, yeah. which was kind of shit. Yeah. And it was like, I, I, it felt like the biggest thing they could do in that one was, well, we're on PS4 now, so we can make it prettier. Um, yeah. Question mark. Was, and that was, was, was kind of what I had going for it. Yeah, that was where it started and ended, really. Because I love Infamous 1 and 2. I think they're great. Yeah. I think they're underrated. I think they def- absolutely need to be on Steam if Sony are interested in it's putting insane. their shit on Steam. Insane that those are like the two games from I Sony's know. catalog that seems to be missing. But Second Son, as well as just... Uh, sort of superficially trying to pretty yourself up the characters are more annoying uh the gameplay isn't as good and they don't even do a good job of the series is uh uh idiosyncratic moral choice system yeah because in in the first two games like your choice sort of ran through the whole game i mean it wasn't hugely well implemented good or bad moral choice systems never are Sure. But in the third one, the cutscenes are all exactly the same, basically, right up until you get to the very end of the game. And then, yeah, then you which, get a bad ending, and you just and then just cut to credits. Yeah, and uh, I feel like we've talked about this before, but when it comes to player choice, that's the least satisfying flavor of player choice. Mm-hmm. When everything seems exactly the same until the end, and then you get A or B, which just seems I don't know, that's not satisfying whatsoever. New, no. Uh, what, um, else, what else did we mention? Did we mention Assassin's uh, so Creed? We, uh, so yeah, we have Assassin's Creed, which I'm kind of lumping the entire Ezio trilogy in. That's as fa- that's fair enough. That's fair yeah. enough. I think Assassin's Creed, so, uh, Blood uh, Brotherhood, rather, and Assassin's yeah. Creed Revelations. Revelations, all, all part of the same entity, really. Yep. Assassin's Creed Three. I think the the first, last, and biggest mistake of Assassin's Creed Three was the setting. It removed the verticality that was interesting and the verticality yeah. and density that was well, interesting. Well, also in from a pos- position of like historical interest, Assassin's Creed 1, the Crusades, hugely pivotal time in history. Assassin's Creed 2, the Renaissance, equally hugely pivotal time in history. Yeah. The American War of Independence, I mean, it only really means something to Americans. Speaking Americans. as an outsider, yeah, it wasn't even Britain's most important colony of the time. The Britain yeah. basically just went, oh, f- oh, fuck it, have it then, if, you want, if you're going to cause a fuss. And yeah. it was mostly, you know, ended through paperwork. Dude, does that not make for compelling gameplay? Not really. I mean, I said at the time, I mean, you had two revolutions in this period of history, and you picked the shit one for yeah. an Assassin's Creed setting. <laughs> and they later came back and did the French Revolution, but by then, you know, the genie was out of the bottle, the toothpaste was out of the tube. Yeah, and they tried to... Uh they try to be like, oh, we're going to include this sort of wilderness frontier aspect of the game. And then they were like, well, how does that work with, you know, the the parkour that you've been refining over the last couple of games? And so they yeah. tried to make that kind of like vertical or uh, horizontal parkour where you like jumping through the trees and stuff. That was just never as interesting as as climbing up a building and running along. I'll, the I'll throw American history a bone. The Civil War. That would have been a great setting for the Assassin's Creed game. Freedom versus slavery. Slam yeah. dunk. Yeah. Also, it was one of the most incredibly violent and bloody wars in history. Yeah. 
in terms of level design, maybe not as interesting. Maybe not so much. <laughs> Weren't they starting to introduce the railroad at that time? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah in the mid to late yeah. 1800s. Yeah. Could have been some tech to play with. Could have a cool train, cool train fight. No one ever complained about that. Um, Yeah, some of the other examples, uh, Uncharted, uh, which, you know, 2 definitely seemed like the one that, like, kind of really pushed the um, summer blockbuster, you know, playable summer blockbuster feeling forward. Well, I was always kind of of lukewarm on Uncharted generally. I didn't have sort of the same opinion for all three of them. It just... Nathan Drake and his murder fun. Uh, Are you against murder fun? Well... Uh, in specific contexts, <laughs> um, it feels like two had the uh, the set pieces that everyone remembers. Two had the the train falling off the the cliff, sort of starting you in media res. You, you and, say that, but I remember a lot of set pieces from three, like uh, the the desert, like the airplane sequence just before you crash land in the desert, and then having to get through the desert and all of that. I yeah, but to, and the bit at the beginning where they're in England and they have to beat up lots of in- bar. cockneys in flat caps yeah you just like beating up cockneys in flat caps that's that's just your thing i just very clearly remember their extremely reductive idea of what britain's like i think there was i think there were red phone boxes around do you guys not have those not not for like 30 years no oh <laughs> Man, the 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 way you said thirty, like that, the really the disdain for that really came out. I like longer that. than that actually, um, like probably more like fifty, sixty years since the red phone like, boxes stopped being a thing. Uh, but it just proves uh, Americans think we're the center of the universe, and we're very we're also very dumb. Well, so. I knew that from Assassin's Creed so. Three. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Um, one that I think is is less divisive, or at least more agreed upon, is Mass Effect. Um, I think uh, people agree the ending of Mass Effect 3 sort of shits the bed. I think the yeah. the course of Mass Effect 3 up to that point, people are more divided on. Yeah, but it feels like the ending is the thing everyone talks about, right? Like this well, was supposed to be what, the the trilogy. Well, and, yes, I mean, if you're making a strongly narrative-focused game, the ending is yeah. inevitably going to be a very important part of it. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because it seems like almost from that moment, I guess we still had Dragon Age Inquisition afterwards, which was well liked i guess enough yeah i'm trying um, to think of examples of where the third game was the good one the chat just mentioned super, super mario brothers 3 folks D. okay so <laughs> i would i would argue the entire nes to snes generation was the opposite of this i would say that was a generation where you had a first game that was a foundation and then the second game tended to deviate from the formula so much that it's kind of maligned. Um, you see that in Mario. You see that in Zelda. Metroid well, we went handheld. Mario because Mario Two in the US was a completely different. Was game. Doki Doki Panic? Yeah, but even the Mario, like I don't think Mario Lost Levels or whatever Mario Two Japan is that highly regarded even in Japan. It's just nah, like Mario just, but harder. Yeah, just hacked out really. Yeah, um, same with Castlevania Two, which is a really well, strange. Well, I think and this in this game. in this era and in a lot of cases in video games the third installment is benefiting from the progress of technology in ways yes. that say films and books and stuff do not yeah like the witcher 3 that. for example mm-hmm. uh, someone else in the chat mentions that that's an example of a good third installment because the technology still hadn't caught up to what the witcher wanted to be up until that point yeah yeah and you had the technology leaps for 
A Link to the Past and Super Metroid, which were jumping to the new hardware, which felt like an actual growth. A lot of people mentioned you have Gears 3, Halo 3. I would say Dark Souls 3 and Devil May Cry 3 are both games that took a relatively maligned second installment and then went back mm. to what made the first one good. And well, they that's... felt more like sequels to the first games than like the second ones ever did. What about Metal Gear Solid 3? So that's an interesting one because so uh, that is, I don't feel like there, if someone were to come to me and make an argument that Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5 were their favorites, I don't know if I could argue with that because they don't <laughs> seem like necessary direct evolutions. The gameplay evolves, but the uh, story and the approach to storytelling and just what the story is feels so different in each one. They all that have it's their own, almost like yeah they all have their own unique what quirks you like yeah yeah and none of them feel like the last one but more like two yeah. doesn't feel like metal gear solid but more two feels super different snake eater feels super different guns of the patriots feels super different if i had to pick a favorite i might say two of the ones i've played in uh when when casey and i just did our well my replay but his first time through two was the one that stuck with him as well he thinks two was his favorite. Even though well, the gameplay gets yeah. better as it goes on, that might be like the most interesting and and sort of the the most poignant of his stories. Three is sort of one of my gaming blind spots. I've never played through it myself. I played through every other Metal Gear Solid game, but not Metal Gear Solid Three. It was sort of before my time as a reviewer. It's interesting because it might be the least Kojima bullshit of any of his games. It might be the most like it was him well, making a Bond movie. Well, literally every other Metal Gear Solid game is like very heavily references previous games in the series. And Metal Gear Solid yeah. 3 can't really do that because it's a prequel taking place at the very start of the timeline. Although yeah, it, does the reference the, it does reference the other games a lot, but it's more sort of in an Easter eggy kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that one, that one is strange. And then the other, another example we brought up, which is kind of hard to pinpoint because they're not directly a trilogy but are eco shadow of the colossus and the last guardian last guardian was definitely a dodgy one where shadow of the colossus was an absolute banger yeah um <laughs> shadow of the colossus is really fucking good i'm, I'm yeah. playing it right now and it's but uh, i could i could buy last guardian as a sequel to it it's got a very similar vibe hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code spotify for 20 percent off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details Although yeah, it feels, and it, although it feels more like Ico, I guess when you think about it. I mean, it feels to me like a uh, it is a blending of the two of them. It has yeah. the uh, sort of interconnected, um, singular setting of of Ico, and then having to to wrestle with this creature, yeah, which feels Ico, like a combination of both your horse and the monsters. It's Ico um, with the Colossus in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who is also kind of like your your nice horse boy. Um, so those almost feel like metal gear those feel different enough to where um yeah th that feels less like an exact evolution and more like trying to explore similar themes in in different ways 
Um, I would say other uh, clear cut examples of, of thirds not being nearly as, as beloved as, as seconds would be um, Arkham Knight to Arkham City. Absolutely. Arkham City yeah. uh, made the almost inevitable evolution of taking the first one open world. And the third one didn't really have any sort of elbow room to expand in any way that really benefited the established mechanics. So it just added this fucking uh, Hank. <laughs> demolition derby stuff yeah. that really didn't feel like it uh, was comfortable next to all the sneaky, sneaky Batman stuff. Yeah, it feels like uh, two felt like the furthest open world you could take the idea of the original Arkham Asylum while still keeping that heart. Yeah. And then Arkham Knight just felt like they pushed it so far into open world, sandbox. Oh my god, look how successful yeah. Grand Theft Auto is. Um, I think and it's got some great story stuff. Arkham it Knight. does, and it's still crazy gorgeous. Like yeah. It is wild that game is almost 10 years old and is still um, still that good looking. Uh, Arkham Knight yeah. isn't the fourth, Axel Prino. Arkham Origins was by a different developer. Fuck doesn't off. Count. Doesn't count. Get out of here. Banned. Uh, Dead Space 3 as well um oh yes that's a very yeah. clear case that one i grouped that Absolutely. one with i grouped that one with fear three under the yeah. heading yeah. of we added co-op and that was a mistake i mean is just continuing horror difficult i mean like <sighs> well the, i would say resident evil 3 has a similar thing like nemesis think, doesn't have the same cachet as i think as it is difficult to continue horror as Resident Evil has demonstrated over and over again, that like the only good games are the ones that sort of get away from trying to continue the established labyrinthine plot. Because yeah. a lot of horror depends upon mystery. Yeah. Uh, I was talking about this in my uh, Amnesia Rebirth extra punctuation. Uh, the more you have to stick in a horror setting, uh, the more stuff you reveal, and you inevitably have to reveal new stuff with each new game, mm -hmm. uh, the less horrific it gets. That's why I think yeah. Silent Hill 4 is better than Silent Hill 3 because it's uh, taking the whole concept introduced by Silent Hill 1, 2, and 3 in a new and interesting direction. Yeah, and gives you an entirely new wrinkle. Um, yeah, while still feeling like being... a Silent Hill game, importantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, which, and that's the thing, like, you know, horror kind of has to keep you on your toes and, and keep you backing up a little bit and... Dead Space 2 was the it, it felt like the uh the the best marriage of like an interesting action game with a horror game whereas uh, mm. that balance was completely lost on Dead Space 3 and, yeah, and the first one was like first one was the horror unleashed in like an enclosed spaceship environment come to the spaceship figure it out classic sort of setup really classic system shock 2 sort of setup yeah, and uh, then the second game was like the horror unleashed and on like a in like a civilian environment, like yeah. horror gone mad. It's exactly the same progression from Alien to Aliens. Yes, Predator One to Predator Two. Thinking about it, so you yeah. start with the isolated horror, then it becomes like the larger scale horror, and after that, there's really nowhere to go. Yeah, you could do Aliens Three and then uh, uh, Alien Resurrection. Those those well, didn't work out well, too well. Those well, I think Alien Three is underrated as well. I think that represents it's like true. the uh, one viable tactic with the third installment is to take it in an entirely new direction, like Silent Hill Four, and yeah. try something completely different from a completely different perspective. And I think they were trying that with Alien Three, uh, but didn't quite work out. Uh, Dead Space Three was also a victim of 
I guess the times I want to say, if only because by t- th- by the time that game came around, it was so in vogue to riddle your to be like this game. We don't want people to be trading in their games after they finish a ten hour campaign, so we need to include this co op campaign, and we need to include microtransactions, and we need to include crafting, and like that is that game epitomizes the. Um, just let's bloat the fuck out of this this experience that at one point was you know relatively lean and and really interesting and i've um, said it before and i'll say it again horror really is hard to make right in a multiplayer scenario it is don't tell that to nick nick is a big fan of his 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 phasmos yeah i think the like very 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 strongly multiplayer focused things like your phasmophobias and your friday the 13th the game sort of affair uh, uh, can pull it off pretty well by creating sort of the recurring horror scenario with organic gameplay mechanics. Yeah. But when you're trying to make the horror game that can be a single-player game or a co-op game, like a single-player mm-hmm. story played through co-op, inevitably loses its effect because the presence of other players is constantly breaking your immersion. It also feels just like a different flavor of horror, right? It feels like those multiplayer horror games feel like going to a haunted house with your friends and the fun is screaming yeah. and laughing with your friends and but then you get out of it. The, the important ingredient in horror is isolation, which games like yeah. Friday the 13th can pull off very well. Yeah, but if yeah. it's like a co-op campaign where everyone has to be next to each other the whole time, uh, it, it's, you can't really uh, get create that effect. And that's Dead Space had the the kernels of cool ideas that um, where where one character one player would see something that the other didn't, and we had those on our streams with Casey to where I would be like, "Who is that skinless man in the corner?" And Casey would not see the skinless man in the corner. So like that is like there's something cool there. I don't know if that's horror, but um, sort of the the. Yeah, uh, withholding of, a, of information from one player is neat to me. Yeah, it's a kind of a short-lived gimmick. It makes me think. Yeah, of, uh, I guess it is the, gimmicky. Yeah, makes me think of the eternal darkness sanity effects that are effect that are effective as a horror building device precisely once. Once, yes, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and then yeah, afterwards or, it's just uh, hey, let's deliberately be insane and see what cool effects happen. Yeah, or the Psycho Mantis fight in in, in Metal Gear. Um, yeah. One, uh, a couple, a couple other ones. Uh, folks have mentioned I had written down uh, Borderlands Three and then Smash Bros. Brawl. I know you don't care about Smash that much, but like I was, everyone I was adores been, Melee. I was then, never into either of those two. Okay, things. yeah. So uh, Borderlands Two felt like the like that was just a massive hit. Like improved upon the original in every way, shape, or form. And then Three kind of just lost the plot. A little bit um and maybe it was because by the time three came out so many other games like the looter shooter genre had be already become a thing yeah and so I'm, it was just I'm not a fan of looter shooting as a concept yeah yeah and then uh smash brawl uh it's just there's a reason smash 2 smash melee for gamecube is still played in tournaments and smash brawl is almost completely forgotten well, about people didn't um, like the subspace emissary i liked the subspace emissary i defend the subspace emissary um, that was a lot of effort to go to. It <laughs> was way too much effort <laughs> to that no one cares about. That no one, absolutely no one cares about. Um, one interesting one. What do you think about Bioshock? Where does Bioshock fit into this? Mm. Uh, well, of course, it's debatable uh, what games should be included in that series, isn't it? Because on the sure. one hand, it's Bioshock, Bioshock 2, and Bioshock Infinite. That's but on the I other hand, you could also include System Shock and System Shock 2 as the sort of evolutionary forebears. 
Mm-hmm. And I tend to think of Bioshock as a follow-up to System Shock 2 because it's got a lot of uh, mechanics in common and it feels like it's got a very similar structuring. Yeah, but again, different... Well, not different developers. Well, uh, technically a different developer. Not the same as like the, the Arkham Origins thing, but... Um, I think Bioshock's I a really strong game. I think it's uh, got a very strong first half. I think everything after the encounter, the uh, face-to-face interaction with Andrew Ryan could probably have been put in the bin. Yeah. Bioshock 2, I was lukewarm on. I know a lot of people like it. Uh, it, does, it... it does explore like an alternative uh, philosophy. That it's Bioshock mechanically... I think it's mechanically a big improvement over one. Um, but story-wise, unless you take in the, the DLC, um, it's... Yeah pretty forgettable the core bioshock 2 game is pretty forgettable bioshock infinite is divisive but i defend it i think it's better than bioshock 2 i love it yeah uh, it's got a very different tone but i was uh, i was really on board that whole swashbuckling uh, adventure through the sky stuff it's very yeah. mu- i wouldn't call it a horror game it's got some horrific elements but it's not a horror game in the way system shock 2 and bioshock are you know explore the the ruined utopia sort of uh, isolation vibe it's yeah uh, it's more a sort of uh it's more uh, i guess it's kind of dumb fun bioshock infinite but you know sort of like an x-rated disney movie uh <laughs> it is a little bit like an x-rated disney movie there you go yeah. it does uh, yeah i mean it does like they did kind of you know they were trying to kind of nail the utopia the floating city of the future kind of thing and yeah i don't know i guess that's your mileage Everything was going perfectly well until you showed up it wasn't like Bioshock. <laughs> I mean, there was a little bit of racism. Well, a not a little bit, but yeah. But, <laughs> Just you know, a smidge. Things were getting by. Um, it's interesting to see. There's We're sort of in holding patterns of current franchises to see if a similar thing will happen with them. Um, uh, games haven't been announced yet, but like, uh, will we have a similar path with if there's a last of us three if there's a spider-man three if there's a red dead redemption three well we haven't um, had a spider-man two yet which it's almost here which already feels like just spider-man one again but new villains i mean that's a spider-man adventure right if it's if it's shit well then we'll know that the problem was venom all no, along the problem you... has been adapting venom into, <laughs> oh, no. into the spider-man mainstream <laughs> that venom is just uh the cursed character yeah venom um, just doesn't work Unless he gets his own movie, I guess. Yeah, and then he just works financially, not yeah. uh, not creatively. Um, yeah, and then the same thing with the. Uh, I guess God of War is interesting because um, if you go back to the original trilogy, I think three is. I think that's another case of the best of uh, in being improved by technology. Yeah, yeah, the, like, the leap to the PS3. War, yeah, although I think God of War two is pretty good. Actually, yeah. I think God of War one might still be my favorite of the lot of them. It feels a lot more. Yeah. Feels a lot tighter, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's one also that doesn't have, um, until you get to Ascension, doesn't really have a weak link um, in the yeah. chain. And then uh, if they were to make a Doom sequel or um, when they make a third uh, Jedi game. I guess Doom is interesting also. Doom 3 feels that's so another, different than That's Doom another 1. tech improvement. I don't think anyone could argue that Doom 2016 uh, is yeah. worse than like Doom 1. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, and though I think I still prefer Doom 2016 to Doom Eternal. I think Doom Eternal um, was sort of all over the place. Yeah, 
I think, yeah, a lot of times Doom Eternal can feel like you're juggling too much. Uh, yeah, I you're think like, Doom oh, Eternal which one of these about, I think Doom shoulder Eternal, weapons do I use? Doom Eternal felt a lot less free form. It felt like there's always a right thing you need to be doing from moment to moment in the combat. Whereas Doom 2016, yeah. you could sort of go a bit, you know, be a bit more jazz, a bit more free form with your yeah. violence. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, whereas I guess it was in the sequel, it was more you need to do X to beat enemy Y. And yeah. that's the only way you're going to get through is yeah. shields um, or you are, you are low on ammo, use the chainsaw. You are low on shield, use the flamethrower. Yeah. Although I guess, like, if you get into that loop, it almost becomes like a, a rhythm game to that. Well, I don't really want that. I just want to go nuts. Yeah, but you got to go nuts with style. You can't go too nuts. You can never go full nuts. Well, sometimes I want my nuts to be directed, and sometimes I want my nuts to, you know, just sort of flop about wherever they'll, they they want to go. Yeah, flop. That's a very evocative word. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, we, we talked about this recently in an episode, but um, when talking about threes, the elephant, or the lack thereof, in the room is Valve. Ah, yeah. Because... Uh, <laughs> We'd love, we'd love to analyze their third installment as soon as they produce one. <laughs> TBD, yeah. Um, they kind of don't have the attention span for third installments. No, but they're also just, you know, it, it, again, if, if sort of the, the um, hypothesis of, well, they don't want to release something unless it's going to be like generation defining is true, then uh, who knows if we ever get can there be a shooter that's as influential as Half-Life 2 anymore? You know, can there be a puzzle game that... that, that well, like Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2, it would need to uh, co- coincide with a massive technological leap for first-person shooters. Yeah. Which seems unlikely at this point. I mean, they tried with Half-Life Alex, but VR is just too niche. Yeah, can't make uh, can't make that a thing. Uh, it's funny though because it feels like <laughs> if you want a modern example of a third that's really working, um, you know your your uh, review is going to be down the road. But um, everyone seems to fucking adore Baldur's Gate three. It it uh, feels like an anomaly. Yeah, I mean Baldur's Gate one and two were always uh, you know well regarded but kind of niche, mm-hmm. and Baldur's Gate three is still kind of in that D and D niche. Maybe like yeah. D&D generally is just a lot more popular because of the popularity of uh, actual play series. Tune in yeah. to Adventures Nigh every other Saturday, only on The Escapist. Yeah, that was beautiful. Members can watch episode two right now. Yes, indeed. Of season three. Um, yeah. uh, but again, it also could be, you know, the uh, general consumer backlash against uh, live service, uh, multiplayer-focused AAA design, uh, people want to send the message that they want strong single-player narrative and design-focused stuff rather than just pretty graphics and live service twattery. Mm-hmm. I think it might be a case of just all the Christmases coming at once for Baldur's Gate specifically. All the yeah. all the points came together. And the people missing, you know, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 were obviously, um, uh, those were by uh, Bioware, and so I think it was people missing old Bioware and being mm. like, this feels like what Bioware used to feel like. Um, Still, PC gaming was a was a niche back then, and uh, now 
there's a whole like new audience who presumably don't have much experience with Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and they're coming to That's Baldur's Gate 3 in droves. No one expected it to crack 800,000 concurrents, one of the 10 most played concurrent games in Steam's history. That is um, nuts. That is nutty. That is absolutely nuts. And then, yeah, we have, I mean, in a month it'll be out on, on PS5. It'll get another, oh, get who another the jump fuck there. fuck would play Baldur's Gate 3 on PS5? I would. I'm going is it to. going to be the case? Did you know of, it completely changes how the game looks? Is it going to be a case like of the camera moving moves? the mouse pointer with the analog stick? No, the camera moves. It becomes like a third-person game. It's it's it's. I can't imagine how you could get through it without a mouse. I watched some. I watched some videos. It like literally transforms into a different game. It is kind of wild. Huh. Yeah. Well, I'll. It's not everything. Be bothering. Never too much of a coward. Too much of, you know what? You're not invited to the button, boys. That's what we call ourselves. We have a gang. What's 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 on this mouse if not buttons? I ask you. Oh, these aren't buttons. These are little cl- click flaps. These aren't real buttons. Well, this one's got like extra buttons all over it. You just and got you have you have a gamer mouse. Yes. Don't worry. It it, it was paid for by the company, not me. Yay! I'd be, I would have laughed at you if you bought your own gamer mouse. Gamer keyboard as well. Look at that. Oh, no. It's constantly it many- cycling colors. That's not annoying it, at all. Does it make those annoying clicks? No, nah, not this one. I don't like those annoying clicks. No, I don't like clicky keyboards. Yeah, too much. Shall we go to Super Jets? We should. There's a bunch uh, a bunch of people brought up points that I wanted to uh, address, but you know what? They're already there. So Yes, yes, so yes, so yes. Uh, what's the first one for you? Uh, hey, uh, Carlos Danger in Early Access. Okay, you start. Uh, using the Early Access comment, thank you so much, Carlos Danger, to say Silent Hill 3 is better than Silent Hill 2. Die mad about it. Holy smokes. I ain't mad. I've made my case, and I like to think my case was much better argued than yours, so I still feel confident in my position. When I'm, the ball is in uh, your court, Mr. Wants to enter a debate. When I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to uh, look up and reach out to God and say, Carlos Danger, I'm angry about it. I was, I'm going to die mad about it. No, so sorry. by all Carlos means, Danger. let's debate it. Someone explain why Silent Hill 3 is better than Silent Hill 2. Got a carousel and it's got a bloody bunny. How many of those are in Silent Hill 2? I think Silent Hill 2 is better, so I'm not going to debate that. Okay. Well, it <laughs> doesn't have a bloody bunny. It's just got, you know, one of the best psychological horror storylines ever made. But, you know, maybe you like Bloody Bunnies. I do like Bloody Bunnies. We're going to see which movie's better. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Denmark? Yeah, because my, my first one is The Reaper's Grim. Uh, oh, my God. That's a ways away. Uh, Denmark with a $5 dono. Thank you so much. I support calling this the curse of the third installment. We can't call it the, thir- the curse of the third installment because there's a lot of great examples of... Uh, yeah, as we say, third, tech, third, yeah. uh, the advancement yeah. of tech is on video game side here. I think it's much more the case in films that the third installment is the dodgy one. Starting with Godfather Part 3, I'd say. That's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Evil Dead has the weird pivot. Army of Darkness just feels so different than Evil yeah. Dead 1 and 2. It's, Matrix it's, 3 falls apart. X-Men 3 falls apart. I think Evil Dead 2, most people would argue, is better than Army of Darkness. Yeah, and that's almost like uh, that That one has the best balance of, of yeah. flavors. Uh, yeah. Return of the King is very good, though. I like Return of the King. Well, that was always a planned trilogy. That's, that's like one film that's nine hours long. I could agree with that, yeah. Um... 
What about Back to the Future 3? Not as good as 1 or 2, in my opinion. Not as good as 2, I'd definitely argue. I think the 2 is the one I've You think 3 is better than 1? Um... I don't know if I'd say that. I think one's the one I've watched the least. I've watched two like a thousand times. I've watched three wow. like a hundred times. One I've only seen a few times. We had like uh, two on VHS growing up and none of sure. the other two. Um, but I still think uh, two's probably the best. I think three yeah. suffers because it's basically just point for point the plot of Back to the Future 1, but it's in Old West. But times in now. the West, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, one one three that I will always go to the bat for, which uh, I'm probably in a minority of, is Return of the Jedi. That's actually my yes. favorite Star Wars movie. Um, really, you like it yeah. more than Empire Strikes Back? I do like it more. I love the Empire Strikes Back. I just really I like Ewoks. I like Jabba, and I think the cross cutting in the final act is superb. I well, think a lot of people like are gonna perfect sequence. A lot of people are gonna disagree with you on that. I didn't really have a dog in the Star Wars fight. I was always more it's called Star a, Tre- you don't have a Wookie in the Star I was more Wars of a fight. Star Trek boy. I think with if you if you translate this to TV, it's a case of which season is the best. And mm. with TV, it's often the case that the third season is where it starts getting dodgy. Although not in the case of Star Trek TNG, I'd say third season was yeah. was probably the the peak of that series. Yeah. There you go. Um, Gary Davies with a five pound dono. Thank you so much, Gary. Uh, who would you want playing you in the inevitable Netflix biopic of The Escapist? My suggestions would be Matt Berry and John Krasinski. I don't know. For which of yeah both for you? I don't know. I I think Stephen Merchant, you know, tall goggle-eyed freak. He is tall. He is a goggle-eyed freak, just like you. Mm. <laughs> Matthew Barry's great. Let me say, Matt Barry, wonderful. Um, did you ever watch Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? I did. Re- uh, not recently, probably like two years ago. I watched it for the first time. I thought it was delightful. What a Abs- weird, a lot of fun for uh, Matt Barry stroke Richard Ayoade fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matt Barry's wonderful. Got put on my radar thanks to uh, what we do in the shadows. He's excellent. Yes, I haven't, I haven't seen that. He was like an established British comedian for a while before that. Yeah, I've gone back and watched a bunch of the stuff, but um, he's he's uh, he's wonderful. Uh, Odysseus Wolf been remember for six months. Five dollar dono. Not sure if you already addressed this, but I wonder how significant is audience expectation playing a role in a game like Infamous Second Son. Well, quite. I mean, if the audiences expectations are set high by a second installment then obviously they're going to be uh disappointed if the third one doesn't quite measure up yeah which also works against it if like the third one is doing that thing i mentioned where they try to go in a completely different angle because then the audience don't get what they expected and then they get upset because they're a fickle bunch you also have as a game gains traction as it goes on it um it builds a, a bigger and more diverse audience who like the series for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, when Silent and, Hill 2 first came out, it looked like the established fans were complaining that it wasn't following up on the plot of Silent Hill 1. And yeah. those people shut up pretty fucking quick. And then when a series goes on long enough, like we've talked about in the past with Zelda or with um, Final Fantasy, they've fans have entered that train at various stops at so many points along the decades that there is no one right answer for what this thing should be so it's kind of uh it's kind of impossible to make something that can impress everybody the birthday train perhaps choo-choo birthday train 
Uh, Leonard Bloom, five euro dono. Thank you so much. When was the last time a video game made you cry? You know, I well up surprisingly often playing video games because I really get into stories. Mm-hmm. I think the last time I sort of like felt myself go, you know what? Let's just roll with it. Yeah, it was probably like Spiritfarer when the Hedgehog Lady died. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty brutal. It was just um, specifically that moment when like, she recognizes, she remembers who you are just before she passes through the door. Yeah, that's really, that's yeah. Just really, really brutal. Um, I'm trying. I'm looking at a list to see if any anything recently has has done it. I know a lot of people said it with Tears of the Kingdom. Um, it didn't for me because I think the order I did things in, the big reveal, I already discovered way before the powerful moment of the reveal. And so when the powerful moment of the reveal happened, um, I wasn't like, oh, my God, that's what happened. I was just like, I figured this out 35 years or 35 hours ago. So it didn't didn't really do anything for me. Um, Honestly, Spiritfarer might be. uh, Might be the last one. Also, like the ending of uh, the the good, the true ending of Outer Wilds always gets me. Um, Yeah, I I never got that. Yeah, Um, so I'm, I'm a big fan of that one. Uh, the Reaper's Grim, ten oh, Canadian dollars. This is where I no can, message. Oh, where I can cut in because you. This is where my chat starts. Yes, thank you, The Reaper's Grim. I'm scrolling down looking for any further comment, but uh, apparently I didn't not. See anything? Yeah. Nice, uh, strong, silent type, perhaps. There you Old go. Hunter seventy seven gives two dollars and says, "Is Witcher three the best third game of all time? Ooh, is it better than Metal Gear Solid three? Is it better than Doom twenty sixteen? It might be the biggest." jump right like uh, is that the biggest glow up from a second to a third well doom 2016 again although one but can that's argue a fourth right doom doom two and oh that's right i completely doom forgot three. about doom three as we often do <laughs> how dare you um, yeah. all right yeah sure it's witcher three is the best third game of all time can't uh besides super mario brothers three perhaps yeah, but I think it's, yeah, it's probably the biggest, biggest leap. Ooh, maybe Link to the Past or maybe Super Metroid. All very good. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, then. Alex Armstrong gives $5 and says, I feel Masterpiece is subjective. People consider Resident Evil and Mist Masterpieces, even though they suck poo. At least RE4 and 7 were good. Mist sequels, eh. Yeah, got Mist that's, is a, one of that's those... a real shit opinion you got there, Alex. Sorry. I agree that Mist is one of those like masterpiece classics that really hasn't aged well. Uh they they did uh they did a spruced up version. That's pretty good. Yeah, well they had to They zhushed it up. F- well, they had, they had to do a lot of zhushing up, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> they did do quite a bit of zhushing. Cuz um uh, original one was just like riding off the hey, look, we can make pre-rendered 3D images now. Yeah. Also, Resident Evil, the original Resident Evil 1, the PS1 game, might not hold up, but I just replayed Resident Evil Remake. Delightful. Yeah, Absolutely delightful. Yeah, but that was like, again, needed quite a bit of zhuzhing up, didn't it? Oh, yeah. But the zhuzhing, let me tell you, if you're going to do that kind of zhuzhing, zhuzh away. Zhuzh away. Uh, and then Alex Armstrong comes back with $2 and says, also, wouldn't Masterpiece mean Magnum Opus 2? Well, yes, Alex Armstrong. I don't think anyone's disputing that. Masterpiece and Magnum Opus, the one work by which a creator is defined and recognized. Probably the same thing. Uh, 
you can have several masterpieces, but only one magnum opus, right? Is that how that works? Um, I don't know. Is there like an official like uh, definition of masterpieces? The recorded by some like governing body for works of art. The master the the audience of the masterpiece theater. No, it's all subjective, right? I guess. Yeah. I mean, I've heard like people refer to works as such and such is masterpiece. Yeah, as, as in you can. Only oh, have, yeah. As in you can only have one. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking uh, like a review scale, where if a ten out of ten is described as a masterpiece, doesn't mean it's perfect, but I I don't know. I'd give multiple Zelda games a ten out of ten. Oh, and- I read masterpiece as like the highest possible uh, rating. And it's not merely yeah. good. It's like the thing that proves you are an absolute master of the craft. Agreed. It's the word masterpiece. Yeah. And I think giving a game a 10, if you're so inclined to do numbers, is is that. But nothing is perfect. Even a masterpiece has flaws. Well, some would say that the flaws are what define a masterpiece. Beautiful. What is that? There's that Japanese term for like the the the, yeah. the broken the broken things in the pottery are, are what makes it beautiful. I think yeah. I just butchered that, but that's fine. I think it's a, you know, what's the standard phrase? Every masterpiece is, uh, has a flaw. Yeah. We just made, did we just make that up? Is that I'm a sure phrase I'm we made sure up? I'm sure I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, this podcast. Wabi Sabi, uh, that's it. Wabi Sabi, thank you so much. Okay. I'm thinking of Wabi Sabi. Who's talking about uh, Japanese food? No, I'm always talking about wabi-sabi. In traditional Japanese aesthetics, wabi-sabi is a worldview centered on the acceptance of transience and imperfection. Once you've accepted wabi-sabi, then you can find enlightenment. Okay. Wabi-sabi. Jen Weatherwax, member for 33 months in early access, says, guide or no for Persona? Which is more fun to you? No. However... I have do a used... Google search of like how to get the good ending so that you don't make a single yeah. choice that completely bones you and you don't get to see the actual ending of the game. I also used Google to pass that one uh, mission track where they ask you to create a specific Pokemon with a specific move. Oh, yeah. That could be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Oh, I said Pokemon when I meant to say Persona. Bit of a Freudian slip there. I thought you did that on <laughs> I just assumed you did that on purpose. Because let me well, tell you, my all kid's of them... still been playing it a lot, so it's on the it's on the brain. There you go. Um, yeah, those are like I still don't quite understand the rules of breeding things. No, I don't understand it at all. I just sort of persona mash them randomly together to just to fill out the the uh, the, the roster. Yeah, yeah, and I'll compendium. be like, oh, that one looks good, good enough for me. Yeah, I haven't got that one yet, so I'll just mash them together to make that. I assume That's it is cool better, because yeah. it's new. Anyway, John Connor gives five Canadian dollars. Says, putting a character through a meaningful arc once isn't too hard. Twice is difficult. Thrice always feels like it's pushing it. Well, they've always got to have a new sort of aspect of their character they need to resolve, I suppose. Like Luke Skywalker in the first film, he has to uh, just, you know, discover his ability to be a hero. And mm-hmm. uh, first awaken his Jedi powers by doing that whole trench run shit. And in the second yeah. movie, he has to like um, go through the process of becoming a big, fat, huge cock Jedi man. As for Return of the Jedi, he's not got quite so clear an arc. 
I guess he has what to resolve he's the situation. He's got to resolve the whole issue with his dad. Yeah, it feels like... I actually think Star Wars is a pretty decent example of that trilogy. Even though each movie has their own arc for Luke, that whole trilogy is, you know, New Hope's the, the first act of his arc. The the uh, Empire Strikes Back is the second act of his arc, and the third, uh, Return of the Jedi is the yeah, third I act of his arc. Yeah, I think each one works pretty well as a self-contained film. Yeah. Maybe not so much the second one. So I'd say, I don't, do you think audiences lost their fucking mind in 1980? <laughs> Out of that theater, being like, we're gonna wait, we're gonna have to wait how long? And it wasn't like they didn't have a date for Return of the Jedi, like they didn't know it was for sure. Yeah, uh, oh, nuts. I think if you do a bit of googling, you can find some of the internet discourse that existed on the internet that existed at the time, oh, which no. I think was just like DARPAnet. Yeah, and there's a lot of nerds, like, and you'd be surprised how little has changed if you look at the discourse between internet nerds. Relating to the second and third Star Wars films, I think the problem is you can't like something too much. As soon as you start like so, liking something too much, uh, you like a lot of you, the, like I think I read some of them, and a lot of them were arguing over whether Darth Vader was telling the truth or not at the end of Empire Strikes Back. The big liar, yeah, classic was, Vader, giant he liar. He was just uh, fibbing his way uh, through that extraordinary uh, plot development. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Lethead. Upgraded membership to early access. Good for you, Lethead. Thank no you, Lethead. Comments, though. Wesley Thomas gives 10 Canadian dollars and says, This is the advantage of anthologies. Tell all the story and use all the gameplay elements you want at once. And you can go from strength to strength. If you have more story to tell, release a part two. Well, that certainly worked out for Final Fantasy, the whole mm-hmm. anthology approach. Yeah. Hey. Don't stick to a singular thing. Yeah, they tried to do it with Silent Hill, but instead of like continually finding new directions, like Silent Hill 4 did, a lot of the ones that followed that just were just trying to be Silent Hill 2 again. Ooh, you did a naughty thing you did, yeah. mate. Now you're going to have to process it as you go through the town, like the town's your personal therapist or something. It also just felt like, or in some cases, you literally have your therapist, like in, um, yeah. what was it, Shattered Dimensions? Uh, hey! Uh, it's, uh, the Silent Hill games, post four. Shattered it Memories. It just feels like Shattered, shattered memories. memories. Shattered Dimensions shattered was the Spider-Man game. Spider-Man. <laughs> Too many shatters. Uh I said shattered dimension. I was like, weird that Silent Hill had the word dimension in its title. But um, I have dementia. Um, it feels like those Silent Hill games post four, they just accepted whatever the first pitch was for a game. And Konami's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's, please that's come Konami in, in a nutshell, isn't it? Please come in deeply under budget. Um, those games are disappointing. Uh, I think downpour. Which wait, which shattered uh, memories aside. Which post four game do you think is the best? Um, can I say PT? I guess so. That's why I mean, yes, that's the answer. But like, what? Like, I think down downpour is a little bit better than Homecoming and Origins. Just a little, a little bit better. A little better. Just a little smidge. All right, fine. In a field of shit. Downpour stands slightly higher above the surface than everything else. Exactly. Shit hasn't covered your whole body. You still got like, you got your forehead. There's no shit on your forehead, so that's nice. I guess I'd say Shattered Memories was the best of all the post-Japan Silent Hill games. I would agree. But even that, you know, it's still, you know, being the tallest dwarf. Mm Mm-hmm. 
the Pepper 3000, member for six months in bonus content, says Goat Simulator 3 is definitely better than 2. Okay. Uh, uh, you know the, do you know the joke about that? No. I haven't there played any no Goat Ghost, Simulator games. There is no Goat Simulator 2. They went straight to 3. Oh, like what Legend Suit Larry did when they went from Legend Suit Larry 3 to Legend Suit Larry 5. I was going to say exactly, but I don't know... I didn't know that was a thing, so I'm no, not going to confirm more than I. And there are conflicting stories as to why they skipped four. Although what I are think, some of those stories? Well, they were saying like they were making the game, but then they sort of lost the build, and some people said uh, that the creator said there would never be a fourth one, so this was their mm. clever way of bypassing that without being a liar. That's I tend clever. to believe that explanation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think it's ever been fully settled. Sure. Uh, also, well, I think the logical explanation for why there was no Legacy Larry 4 was that Legacy Larry 3 ended with having been written completely into a corner. So they yeah. just sort of skipped ahead to not having to resolve that. Anyway, Bujango gives $2 and says, Fallout 3 was a highly contentious third. Again, it was sort of a tech development thing, but uh, some people argue that the tech developed in a not quite beneficial way. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one too, because that feels like such a massive change, like the the going mm-hmm. from the isometric view to um, to first person. Interesting comparison like between it and like the Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls, yeah. uh, Elder Scrolls was Morrowind. always like a first person uh, RPG. It was only like by Morrowind that uh, technology had advanced enough to fully realize it. But Fallout went from a complex. A 2D game to a much mm-hmm. less complex 3D game. Yeah, but it feels like every Elder Scrolls um, installment gets more and more for the normies, right? Or at least maybe it just becomes more and more popular. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the people, the millions and millions and millions of normies who went into Skyrim would really enjoy going back to like Daggerfall or, or Arena. Well, I'm sure it brought some people to it. Daggerfall's got Daggerfall's got apparently a ridiculously large open world. Although too big. there's not a whole lot to find in it. It's too big. Uh, like that game Fuel. We bring up the game Fuel a lot here at the Escapist. Fuel mm-hmm. was a racing game with a very big open world as well. Okay then. Uh Basics Explained, H3V Tux. Who's got a little tick next to his name? Good for you, Basics. Oh, an official human. He gives $10 and says, I feel like the problem with most modern games is that every aspect is hyper-polished and the polish is the antithesis of personality. Well, as we were saying, every masterpiece has a flaw. As you say, it's the it's little flaws that adds that just uh, that little facet of humanity to a project. Yeah, and also um, the need to sand down the edges because you have to because games are so expensive and you yeah. have to sell the, the, the thought that you have to sell x amount of copies and the only way to do that is yeah. by yeah. homogenizing it the but then a game like Baldur's Gate 3 comes along and doesn't feel like any of the edges are the inevitable down. result of design by committee combined with attempting to reach the broadest possible audience it yeah. just turns everything into bland swill slop 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 uh, Jackson Jewel gives five dollars as has finally managed to catch another one live. Elden Ring was a masterpiece, but if they were to make Elden Ring 2, I feel it would fall flat. Too big to do again. I guess there's no, no, not really many places you could go 
from there. Is there? I still think of Elden He's Ring as just Dark Souls, world, the right? open world. Yeah. I mean, I think judging by the sales numbers, they're absolutely probably already making an actual Elden Ring 2, um, oh. apart from Shadows of the Earth Tree. Um, nothing that sells that well um, doesn't get a sequel. But also, as Old Hunter says, uh, people said that about Breath of the Wild. And it had a sequel that a lot of people liked. So, I don't know. I think in retrospect, a lot of people have sort of turned on Tears of the Kingdom a little bit. Now that the initial like hype excitement has passed. Who are you I was talking looking, to? I was looking at the, well, specifically, I was looking at the comments on my Tears of the Kingdom uh, review. I'm going to be honest. You can't go based on your comments. That's a lot of sycophants. Uh, oh, fair enough. <laughs> no, no offense to your fans. But. Although I also checked out the comments on, we put like uh, like out a, a TikTok short fairly recently that uh, mm-hmm. clipped out my bit of the Tears of the Kingdom review that said it was basically just an expansion pack. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of uh, some slightly, you know, bitter sounding agreement on that TikTok short. I don't even know what to say about the TikTok audience. I don't know what's going on over there on TikTok. No, I mean, I think the TikTok's for the kids, right? Yeah. I don't really, oh, have, no. much of a, I don't really have much of a connection to the TikTok audience, but uh, yeah, they were all sort of like really sort of coming down on uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, no. I had such high, I had such high hopes for the next generation. What happened? Well, probably one something that's not wasn't just an expansion pack of the first game, I suppose. What do we think? What's the what's TikTok's favorite game? Chat. What's TikTok's favorite game? Uh, it's probably like Five Nights at Freddy's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The kids like that one. Ub four N M Urban M perhaps gives twenty five PLNs and says Devil May Cry three seems to be highly praised, and I guess we will see through that when the goal is funded. Correct. Our current uh, yes. funding goal. Casey and I finished the Portal series, Portal 1, 2, and Portal um, 2 co-op, is to play through the Devil May Cry series, which I'm very excited for. Why don't you play through the entire Silent Hill series at some point? He's not a big horror guy. Even I would better. love to play through all of Silent Hill with Casey. I would Even better, because if he's never played them. Oh, my God. You should do all of them. You should even do that shitty one that was like a ripoff of Gauntlet. The Vito one? Yeah. Did you know that one's like 30 hours long? Really? That one's like far and away the longest one. Yeah. Probably grindy up the bum. Oh, no. I don't, don't, we don't need to talk about grindy up the bum. What's going on there? Yeah, don't grind up the bum. Unless Nick, you're dealing with a consenting, consenting partner. Nick in the chat says, I feel like people definitely aren't talking about Tears of the Kingdom that much a few months on, really. Nick, you didn't even play Tears of the Kingdom. You fucking stay out of this conversation. You don't even get to, you don't even get to be here. Get out. Scram. Well, we you heard it from our uh, editor in chief. Yeah, that's because you're too. He's too busy playing Baldur's Gate three. He just loves his clicking. Loves clicking. He loves making the the orc and the dwarf just have sex with each other. That's all Nick's doing. He's I being got, a real pervert on his work. I, computer. I was playing Baldur's Gate three. I got the sex scene with the sort of lizardy lady with the pointy nose. Oh, congrats. Yeah, she was warm for my form. Ah, waka waka. I think she was like attracted to me because uh, we kept getting into combat and killing everything, but I don't think she realized that that wasn't because of my choice. <laughs> I would have talked my way out of everything if I could have. Yeah, I was, I was literally trying to play as Mortimer. And Mortimer's down for anything, so yeah. It, it, it all felt like everything was going according to plan there. Although he never had sex with a bear. Yet. The night is still young. 
was I? Alex Armstrong gives two dollars. Says here's an overrated masterpiece, Ocarina of Time. Alex, get the fuck out. Go right to where Nick is. Well, as you I and mentioned, Nick. as I mentioned when I was talking about when uh, Dark Souls was nominated most the ultimate game of all time by the Golden Joysticks, yeah. I mentioned that uh, while Ocarina of the Time for decades was always cited as best game ever, it was mm-hmm. mysteriously absent from Golden Joystick shortlist in favor of Breath of the Wild on that particular yeah. occasion. So it seems a lot of people are sort of like uh, the scales are sort of fallen from their eyes when it comes to N64 games. Yeah, I mean, if you weren't alive and didn't play Ocarina of Time at the time, you'd probably all play it now and just be like, well, I've played a thousand things like this. Like, what's what's the deal? That's the funny thing about, like, uh, revisiting any of those old games. Like, I don't know, I think nostalgia and being there at the time definitely clouds judgments, so... Uh, Yes, but you repeat yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's what nostalgia is, being there at the time and uh, remembering it. Yeah, yeah, and longing for it, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting because we don't, you don't really, movies are a different thing, right? Like, no one is looking at The Godfather and The Godfather 2 and being like, oh, but they've refined it and look how much better it looks now. You could do, you could just watch these movies. Well, yeah, video game graphics have had a much longer process of... Uh, uh, creating like the uh, visual effectiveness. Yeah, I say, all they needed was color and sound, and that was about yeah. that was about it for what they needed. Yeah, it almost feels like less graphics, more just like mechanics. Like uh, these old games can be cumbersome as shit, and I love going back to to N sixty four, PS one, Dreamcast, PS two games. But yeah, they can be cumbersome as all shit, and you got to kind of mm. put up with it to uh, to to enjoy it. Uh, a winged potato gives five dollars and says, "Don't wait for the PS5 release of Baldur's Gate 3, Marty. Just play on Steam Deck." Nick told me it doesn't work on Steam Deck, or Nick told me not to play it on Steam Deck. Well, he yes, he was probably saying, "Play it on a PC with mouse and keyboard, you idiot." I don't want to sit. This is my nine to five chair. I don't want. If it's not nine to five, I don't want to sit in this chair. I don't want to be in this room. It's fucking hot in here. I got cooler rooms to be in. Well, install the air conditioner in every room then. I have to get a new air conditioner because it broke. Oh, my God. And it broke during a heat wave. You know how much air conditioners are? Like $5,000. That's the time when an air conditioner is most likely to break. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's true. Uh, Mr. Arms and Legs gives two Canadian dollars and says, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag has this problem. Still the best one. Ooh, what do we think that problem was? What do we think that problem was? What the hell were we talking about back then? Uh, I'm scrolling. Uh, Terminator 3. Back to the Future 3. Godfather 3. <laughs> Those are just other messages around the time. Well, let's uh, uh, maybe I'll clarify that later. Yeah. Uh, um, John Connor, member for 17 months in tip jar. And then underneath that, he says, sequel to Tears of the Kingdom is going to be a thing. You think that's going to be a third times the shard? Third times the shard. Well, I hope they implement that idea for melee weapons that I was talking about. Now you can like <laughs> pick, you could pick up a handle and just glue that to anything, and then use that as a melee weapon. <laughs> Is that that feels like a never green idea? That feels like a great idea that no one should ever implement. A great idea that should be put in a drawer and never opened again. Well, it encourages you know uh, having to be practically minded because you could like glue like a tree trunk to it, but then you wouldn't be able to lift the fucking thing. This is true. Anyway. Uh, Alex Armstrong gives $2 and says, Best emotional impact, Undertale or Spiritfarer? Ooh. Well, they both got to me on that level. Um, 
I guess I'd say Spiritfarer for strength of emotional reaction. But I do always well up at the good ending of Undertale. What do I... So I still haven't played Undertale. I'm planning to soon. Yes. Do I... This is like the Persona thing. Do I try to do... I know there's like a pacifist run and that's the good ending. So do I play that game just not trying to kill anything? My first time? Yes. For your first run, try not to kill anything. Uh, You're forced to kill the final boss and you'll get the neutral ending. But then you get the sort of... Uh, once you've got the neutral ending, you can go back into the game, like just before the final boss, and then you can go and fulfill certain criteria to get the best ending. Okay, good. So it's not a full, like, two playthroughs or anything like that? Not really, not really no. Just okay. play through, get the neutral ending, uh, and then go back to, like, uh, your last save, and then do the stuff you have to do to get the best ending. Have, just, you, ever, just, have just you ever done the genocide yet? Just don't kill anything. Just talk your way out of every fight. Like the Mortimer just, way. Yeah, do the Mortimer way. Yeah. Although more the Dabarella way, I suppose, because you usually talk your way out of the fight by being nice to the monsters. That is very much, yeah, that is uh, killing killing God with friendship. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, no, I've never done the genocide ending. I don't have the heart. And also, I can't get past the genocide ending Undine fight. It's too hard. Oh. Is that not a fight that exists in... No, 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 no. The non-genocide ending? No. Oh. No, no. They, the, the hardest fights are in the genocide run, as you might expect. Because uh, yeah, they're actually like motivated to actually stop you this time. Yeah. they got they got to bring out their true strength. Uh, Fungus Finding is $5 and says, Are most bad sequels unlikely to capture the feeling of the original game? Do most good sequels have innovative mechanics that make the game fresh? Well, I've often uh, made the case that a bad sequel is one that merely wallows in the original like, say, uh, Bayonetta 2. And a good sequel is one that actually uh, builds upon the original, like, say, Monkey Island 2. Mm. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah I, would, I, would, I would get... I could get behind that, yeah. Uh, Fox D gives $5 and says, I feel like we're failing here by not mentioning Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, the real Civilization 3. No one's invested in the Civilization series, Fox D, sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, no one, we want to, let me clarify, no one on this panel of two. No, quite. Be, be, the, the two of us. We Neither just, of us two give a shit about the Civilization series. I care about Civilization as a concept, like, like. Right. In real life. Well, you must be having some very depressing times then. Stuff's not great. <clears throat> Stuff's, stuff is not going well, let me tell you. Wesley Thomas gives uh, two Canadian dollars and says Masterpiece equals final exam, magnum opus equals life's work. So what you're saying is that the masterpiece is what indicates that a student has become a master. It's like, oh, you are a master now. So then you can never have another masterpiece. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like you can have multiple masterpieces. Stanley know. Kubrick has multiple masterpieces. Um, Ford Coppola is most multiple masterpieces. I thought you, you, I mean, Leonardo da Vinci, one might argue, has multiple there masterpieces. You yeah. got the Mona Lisa and the Last Supper. Although the Last Supper, Dozy Git, tried to paint it on dry plaster. And so it's needed like a fuckload of restoration work over the years. Should have painted on wet, wet plaster. Ugh, stupid he, he Leonardo da Vinci didn't even, didn't even know that. 
he was too busy hanging out with uh with Ezio Adlatore. That's his oh, problem. Yes. And possibly having sex with him. Thumbs up. Uh Ninjack gives fourteen Zar dollars and says, Your face is a masterpiece. Why Fuck. thank you. I think That's that would really only nice. be true if either of us had had cosmetic surgery. You can't be born with a masterpiece of a face? I don't think so, no. Dang. I think masterpiece implies craft. Mm. <clears throat> uh, that was their first super chat, incidentally. Welcome. That was, that was well worth the wait, Ninja. Welcome. Uh, Alex Armstrong is signed dollars and says, Speaking of Resident Evil, with Capcom remaking them, would an RE6 remake really be bad, Yards? Fix the issues RE2 and 3 had, why not give the worst RE a chance? Well, the issues with RE6 were largely plot-related, Alex Armstrong. The gameplay was just sort of meh. I mean, I've yeah. always said that the Resident Evil series suffers when it tries to acknowledge the entirety of the tangled backstory, and what was Resident Evil 6 if not an attempt to sort of tie all the complicated wiggling strands into one spot? Yeah. It's, uh... The Resident Evil story, I love Resident Evil. One of my favorite franchises. The story's bad. The story's always been bad. The lore is yes. bad. It's all bad. And any game that tries to lean heavily into it, it generally means it's going to be worse for wear. Um, in terms of what they're going to do, like, remake-wise, what to do after 4 remake, it'll be interesting, because a lot of people are like Code Veronica. A lot of people are like Resident Evil 5. And I don't know what they're going to do. I, I imagine they're, they're going to remake something, because those sell well. I so. could believe they're going to do Resident Evil Code Veronica. I think they're going to stop at 5 because 5 doesn't have the nostalgic, you know, uh, feel that all the previous Resident Evils have. I think, don't think anyone would go yeah. to bat for 5 or 6, frankly. Yeah. I think that's the point where the nostalgia value sort of runs out. And that's where it leans into it I think just that's a that's cooperative as, action game. I think that's as far as the can can get kicked down the road. Sorry, you're going to have to come up with new ideas again, assholes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, by then they'll have released Resident Evil 9, they'll finish their new trilogy, and then they can figure out, go back to the drawing board. Do you think they're going to do a sequel to Resident Evil Village? Yes. I think there will absolutely be... It feels like there's like two tracks they have. They have <clears> continuing <throat> that story, so they'll do a Resident Evil 9, and then the, the remake tracks. I don't know. I think the story was kind of wrapped up when the main character died. Yeah, but now you're his daughter. Next generation. Resident Evil TNG. (laughs) I mean, uh, it's like Scooby and Scrappy-Doo, if you ask me. Did you know, I think it's Casey who's pro Scrappy-Doo. He's a weird fella, that guy. He's weird. Weirdest. Never likes Silent Hill. Plays Half-Life with a controller. He doesn't not like Silent Hill. He just doesn't like he doesn't like being being scared. He doesn't like going on roller coasters. I don't know if he likes going on roller coasters. I think he doesn't like survival horror games where he doesn't have things to defend himself. Denmark. So he did. Oh no! Denmark. Sorry, were you what, not what finished? Denmark say? No, I'm just worried about what Denmark. Fucking Denmark. Well, Denmark says something that's gonna ruffle your feathers. I feel. As a terrible third game, I put forth Persona 5. Remember when I said earlier how you shouldn't like anything too much? Like that there's a threshold of liking things and then everything becomes becomes uh, 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 destroyed afterwards? Denmark likes Persona 3 too much. Denmark has bro- is, a broken, is a broken Persona 3 fan. 
Uh, and I, I, we need to get Denmark help. In case anyone's confused, in- Persona 3 was basically where the series found its feet with Correct. its combination life sim dungeon crawling thing. Personas mm-hmm. before that, uh, no one really talks about that much. Yeah. But they were 2D, they were more sort of niche. I'm sure they were nice if you like that sort of thing. But uh, Persona 3, 3 5 are considered the modern Persona trilogy. Persona 3 is for people whose favorite band is 30 Seconds to Mars featuring Jared Leto. Who's the favorite band of people who like Persona 4? Uh, uh, the, uh, the Beach Boys. <laughs> of all things. I don't know. Where did that come know. from? The beach. No, you put me on the spot. I didn't, think, I didn't think. I just wanted to insult Denmark and I didn't think of anything beyond that. Well, I think we can all agree the favorite band of people who like Persona 5 is probably My Chemical Romance or someone like Hell that. Hell yeah. Big MCR fan. I don't know. The four, maybe the Beatles even for Persona 4. You like that sort of, you know, psychedelic vibe. Yeah, I can see Persona. Yeah, I can see the Beatles. <clears throat> There's a subject for a future podcast. Fav- the favorite bands of people who like certain games. <clears throat> well, just, Alex Armstrong gives two dollars. Yeah, Alex Armstrong gives two dollars and says, "Silent Hill: Shattered Memories sucks, but at least the box art's scary." As opposed to what, Alex Armstrong? Are you saying Silent Hill one, two, and three don't have scary box art? I was going to pull it out, and I think someone stole my copy. I'm going to find them. The Silent Hill: Shattered Memories box done. art showed a little girl on a swing that a swing was all frozen. She was like, a, yeah. made of ice. Yeah, yeah, all frozen." Yeah, I don't know if that, that if that kind of thing scares you. Uh, Raxileus gives seven fifty dollars and says, "Marty, please settle a debate that my wife and me are having. Who would make the better oh, affair right. partner, Yahtzee or Jack?" Jesus. Um, well, neither of us, because we're both happily married men. Yeah, so we've got more depend. things to worry about than getting our nasty little ends away. Yeah. If you want to have an affair where you watch movies afterwards, it would be Jack. Yahtzee doesn't watch a lot of movies. No. If you want That's an affair it. partner who just wants to sort of roll over and go to sleep afterwards. I don't know. I don't think I would ever be an affair partner because I think, you know, it's enough trouble keeping one woman satisfied. Yeah. I've never been that uh, sexually motivated, I suppose. Yeah. Longest well, finder said Jack's got kids. Well, Yahtzee has kids as well. Yeah, also perfectly happily married, and you know, don't want to spoil my idyllic suburban bliss. Yeah, you would never be able to show your face in a Whole Foods again. Oh, exactly. How the neighbors would talk <laughs> over their white picket fences. Svjskero two thousand gives two euros and says, "I hope you kissed the mind flayer at least once." No, I think the only mind flare I ran into, I stomped to death. Uh, that one near the beginning of the game? Yeah, so when yeah. we were playing on stream with Jemate, we kissed the mind flare, and it gives you like, a, are you sure you want to do this? And then you get a game over. Why did you kiss the but mind flare? But you die player? in bliss. Because I thought it was going to be funny, and let me tell you, it was. And then we had to redo the previous fight, and it wasn't no, so I funny. Just, I just made that, from like, uh, maybe it's just because Mortimer had such high... Uh, charisma based stats but uh, he didn't go in for that he just curb stomped it made it bite the curb bite the curb (laughs) bite the spaceship curb Uh, Robert Johnson gives 25 Canadians 
dollars, I should say, not actual Canadians, <laughs> and says, Wally, Willy Wing, the whale of the sky. Topaz is the marmalade, Deep Space Nine is salvation, and the wiping paper gives a rash. Devil dogs and eggs, toast for breakfast, and the spiral, will I lie? Um, if you're trying to write lyrics for Beatles songs, Robert Johnson, I think you're about 40, 50 years too late for that. What is that? Is that a reference to your books? No. I don't know what he's banging on about. I know Deep Space Nine is Star Trek. I know Marmalade is delicious jelly. Yeah, that's just a, a glimpse of uh, coherence. It's like the occasional glimpse of coherence in the lyrics of I Am the Walrus. Favorite band Semolina of Pilchard, Climbing up the Eiffel Tower, Robert Johnson. <laughs> for a while, it read like one of those sort of really tortured palindromic sentences. But mm-hmm. uh, then I checked and it, it wasn't one of those. Do you see, so Django is the next one, but Robert Johnson comes back afterwards. Oh, okay. But Django gives $5 and says, I played Mystical Ninja starring Goemon, which was the far superior Ocarina of Time. Meta humor for character insta-swap and a great soundtrack of Ocarina of Time is for plebs. Okay, I'm just going to pretend the Ocarina of Time slander isn't in that message because uh, Mystical Ninja starring Goemon uh, and Mystical Ninja 64. Great games. Give me more Goemon. Title. Uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. Yeah, makes you think yeah. of. Reminds me when the like the first Tomb Raider game out, and across the box art they had a big fat bit of text saying starring Lara Croft, and I was like, no what? one knows who Lara Croft is yet. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were. Sh- all we know about her at that point is what we can see from the box art, and that she's you know fairly scantily clad and got really big tits. Maybe they focus tested it and they knew people were going to be just so horned up for her. Well, they were right. Lara Croft was like right. a veritable phenom for a while. Yeah, yeah, for the horn dogs. Had, had her own swimsuit calendar and everything. Anyway, uh, Robert Johnson gives 20 Canadians and then says, Golf! Three exclamation marks. Are you having a stroke, Robert Johnson? Is there someone you'd like us to call? Does golf... Is golf the the codex that will unlock the original message? I don't think so. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I'm just wondering if knowing golf puts everything else into context. Like, I don't Johnson. think what he's describing is golf. Are you saying Robert Johnson might be the Zodiac killer? And uh, uh, if we don't uh, decode his cipher, he will strike again. Oh, no. With 20, if, we, if it's with 20 Canadian dollars, I'm going to be honest, let, let this be a spree. We're not gonna. We're not gonna solve this crime. Uh, Dang Tian Dung gives two A dollars and says our remakes considered to be a follow-up. <clears throat> well, they're not considered sequels, strictly speaking, unless they're one of those soft reboot sequels people like so much. Yeah, um, I don't consider remakes to be follow-ups. No, like I don't consider Resident Evil remake. I consider Resident Evil Remake to be just, it sort of like exists alongside Resident Evil 1. Well, Remake's a sort of back to the drawing board situation where the current series isn't working out, so let's let's scrap it all and start again. Yeah, there's, uh, I think like exceptions to that might be, it's, it's, without spoiling it, it's very much becoming obvious that the Final Fantasy VII Remake project is as much a sequel as it is a remake well quite a bit of a yeah. deconstruction arguably yep anyway 
Uh, Zaratha gives two R dollars and says, If Masterpiece is a craft, congrats to your parents. Oh, stop, you shameless flirt. Anyway, my parents didn't do much. I mean, there was a bit of... What about your jeans? You're tall? There was a bit of inning and outing, and that was all the effort required on their part. Animal style. Everything else was How often do you go to in and out It's rather a personal question, Marty. No, in and out the burger place. I miss Uh, in and out. Very rarely. Not even sure if I've ever been to an in and out burger. Oh my gosh. I've been to The Habit a few times. I've been to The Counter. You ever been to The Counter? No. I don't know. What is that? That's like a build build your own burger place. Oh, gotcha. Fully full on sit down restaurant. You can order beer and shit. And uh, they give you a little like form where you tick the boxes. Say, I want this kind of bun and this kind of meat and all of these toppings. In uh, in in Montreal, I went to a poutine restaurant, and you filled out the kind of poutine you wanted on like a Scantron sheet. Remember those from from school? There were so yeah. many options. I didn't realize you could just put all that shit on fries. I didn't realize that was illegal. Probably not illegal in the states, but legal in Canada. Yeah. See, most people uh, aren't so pretentious as to call it poutine when they just put stuff on chips. Like uh, in, the, in the UK, in the UK, you just put like gravy on chips, and you just call it chips and gravy. Or you might put curry on chips and you just call it curry and chips. Yeah, but poutine shortens it up. It's just one word. But then gets no, one knows, what, gets then no the, one knows what you're talking about. Everyone knows what poutine is. We I have hear, a very cultured audience. I hear in yeah. the Netherlands, uh, mayonnaise on chips is very popular. That is big. That's a big, that's a big European thing. But they just kind call it chips and mayonnaise. I, I mean, being from England, I like malt vinegar on chips. Is that poutine? No. Poutine needs uh, gravy and uh, cheese curds. But how what does one define gravy? How does one define cheese curds? If I put some ketchup all over my chips and then sprinkled some parmesan on the top, is that poutine? That's not a cheese curd. No, it's not a cheese curd. Does it squeak? Does your cheese squeak? Ah, but were there if options you squeeze in it, that, does it squeak? Were there options in the poutine menu at the restaurant you were talking about that did not include cheese curds? There were. Poutineville went wild let me tell you that's actually you you could go hog wild so apparently you can have poutine without cheese curds we need to consult our canadian expert robert johnson robert johnson whose barbiturate fueled nonsense earlier was probably the key to unlocking the definition of poutine someone defined poutine because if it's just chips in sauce i think someone beat them to that someone beat you to that canada there's cheese curds there's cheese curds it's got to be gravy and it's got to be cheese curds little squeakies were there poutines on that menu that I ask you again? Were there poutine on that menu in that restaurant that was poutine focused that did not include cheese curds and had a sauce that could only be very tangentially referred to as gravy? This feels like in A Few Good Men when Tom Cruise is trying to get Jack Nicholson to uh, admit that he ordered the code red. And you're going to get me to pound the table and say, you're goddamn right there were options that didn't include the cheese I was talking about. And had sauces other than gravy. Yeah, but then they kick you out of Poutineville. You get you get exiled, and you have to eat outside in the cold. Well, I'll just have chips in gravy, which isn't poutine, apparently. You got no squeakies then. Squeaky, squeaky, squeaky. Uh, Bob Rowland, member for two months of bonus content, says, "Hi, Marty. Which one of Yahtzee's books would you recommend to someone who oh, has no. read none?" Oh no. Yes, uh, which of those books which you have all read and like very much? 
would you uh, recommend? Uh, will there's one? Will save the galaxy for food? There you go. That's, That's a good one. Yeah. I also, I'm very excited for your upcoming book that you're getting ready to record audio for. Yes. We're available this is, holiday season via audible.com. Which is called? Uh, is it part of that same series? Will Yes, yes. It's a sequel Will, to Will Destroy the Galaxy for Cash. That's a gimme. So what did I say I was going to call the third one? Will and Grace, the TV show. No, I think there might be some legal complications with calling a book that. Will, Will leave the galaxy for good. Ah, the chat told you that. No, uh, Speakeasy said leave, and then I remembered. Okay. Afterwards. Yes, it's going to be called We'll Leave the Galaxy for Good. Mm. It's it's very clever. I'm still getting strong. through The Da Vinci Code Part 2, Angels and Demons. So once I get through that, I'll get to your books. I've read those. They're shit. But did I? They were. Alex Armstrong gives $5 and says, In an old ZP, you said a bad launch of a good game, or Portal 2, is better than a good launch of a bad game. Watch dogs. That's still the case these days? Wait, was Portal 2 a bad launch of a good game? I'm not sure I said that like directly. I think Did it launch bad on PC? Just, I just made it like a hypothetical case saying that if a if a good game has a bad launch, it doesn't matter so much. I think I might have just used Portal 2 as an example of a good game. Sure. Because if it's good, it'll, you know, get word of mouth. It'll find its way, yeah. Oh, you mean a bad launch as in not a lot of people play it? What do you mean a bad launch like it's a technical? I don't know. Please, define what you said 12 years ago. I don't know. Leave me alone, Alex Armstrong. I'm now you knew how it felt when I was when I was fucking on the stand on the great poutine trial of 2023. It was scary. I was being cross-examined. Uh, Humane Shield is 499 says, Yahtzee, as an author, do you consider any of your works masterpieces or do you consider them just a work in progress? Well, I think I anyone would have to be very uh, narcissistic to consider themselves a creator of masterpieces. Which is why, so, yes, no, they are all no, I, I like to think I'm always getting a little bit better with each book. Yeah. So if you ask me which one's the best book, I will always say the most recent one. Because if, mm-hmm. if it isn't, then what's the point? My most recent book was Existentially Challenged. Available now in both audio and print and ebook. Check it out. Ooh. Robert Johnson gives 10 Canadian dollars and says, well, let me ask you this. What is or was your favorite spirit? Not sure if you still drink. Oh, thank, uh, thank goodness you got over your stroke, Robert Johnson. Uh, that was just a regular question. Well, I've frequently said that I've always been a fan of amaretto and Coke. There you go. But uh, one doesn't usually have amaretto just lying around. So these days, if yep. I'm in the mood for spirits, I'll just make myself a whiskey sour with uh, my bottle of basic Jim Beam I keep around. There you go. Well, I've been getting into lagers a lot lately. I especially like those fruity lagers that are mixed with fruit juice. That's a great summer drink. I got a big case of fruity lagers in the fridge I intend to start on pretty soon, probably tonight. Very excited for you. uh, Jack's the one that stopped drinking, Robert Johnson. Correct. He's the one who's like the recovering alcoholic. I drink all the time. I'm all over it. I love that shit. I call him a party pooper all the time. You do not. You've never pooed his party. This is why no one's going to have an affair with you. Well, thank goodness for that. 
Uh, Odd Cam gives ten dollars and says, "Going to Milwaukee next weekend. Where should I eat?" Oh my go to God! Ooh. You should go to the spy restaurant. Yeah, had, go to the safe house. We had fun at the safe house. It's if a whole have dining experience. Yeah. It is. Go to go to the safe house. I mean, downtown. the food was kind of shit, but it was an interesting dining uh, experience for all that. <laughs> food was uh, food was absolutely nothing to write home about. Um, no. If you're going to be there on a Friday, I recommend doing the Lakefront Brewery tour, which is a brewery tour. At the end of it, you get a really good fish fry, which is a which is a Wisconsin staple. Um, in hey, terms of I've, pizza, hey, when oh, I was uh, when I was in Milwaukee, I bought a children's book for the kids. Okay. That was about a couple of kids who go and visit Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And uh, my eldest really likes it. And uh, oh. at one point in the course of that book, as well as going to the Harley Davidson Museum, which I did uh, when, I, when I was in Milwaukee, they go to the Lakefront Brewery and have a fish fry. Look at that! Yeah. Characters in the book! I actually wrote that book, so thank you for supporting They also name check the Bronze Fonz. He's great. Bronze Fonz is, is, yes. is a classic. Uh, the best pizza, in my mind, is a place called Zafiro's, uh, and there's a place called uh, the Wisconsin Brat House, if you like brats. Yeah, yeah I, I like think brats. we did both of those while we were there. There you go. Look at that. I mean, Jack is a great Jack's a great host, so I'm sure he took you everywhere. Oh, yeah. He was a fine host. Yeah. Always willing to uh, pick up McDonald's on the way over, because we'd forgotten to have dinner. Local delicacy. McDonald's. Anyway, John Connor gives $5 in Canadian and says, Poutine must be thick-cut fries, gravy, and cheese curds. Add whatever other toppings you want, but if changing it makes Quebec angry, then that's fine. <laughs> so he makes the case that there has to be gravy and cheese curds, so that restaurant you were at was uh, taking the piss. No, it, it was called Poutineville. No one could ever say that poutineville well one might argue john connor that anyone calling themselves poutineville is positioning themselves as an authority on the matter that's true although john connor's uh d- donation did come in in canadian dollars so that he's got some bona fides. oh yeah we've, we've brought out all the canadian posters with this argument <laughs> yeah because here comes robert johnson again with another ten dollars saying poutine has too many variations nowadays seems like every restaurant has their own take on it even here in canada also i'm a pleb with my jameson whiskey Jameson's I don't know great. how pissed off this will make you, Robert Johnson, but uh, while I was in Brisbane, there was a, a poutine place that opened for a while uh, where you could get poutine, and it was okay. called New York Fries. Oh, no. Yes. What? Like, do they just not know about Canada? Don't I don't know, but I used to like getting poutine there. Didn't change the fact that it was called New York Fries. What a weird misattribute. Like, why not just say Canadian. In fact, like, I seem to remember they weren't thick-cut fries, but they, but the gravy and cheese curds were absolutely in evidence. It's absolutely not a New York thing. That's very funny. Also, it's funny. The first sentence of Robert Johnson's sentence sounds uh, message sounds like uh, an old man just yelling at clouds. You know what really grinds my gears? Poutine has too many variations nowadays. It's funny. <clears throat> uh, then Alex Armstrong gives two dollars and says, "Tried your mythic twist, Yahtzee. It was all right." Well, I'm glad to hear that. I was literally just making shit up when I created that recipe for a quick throwaway gag in a zero punctuation episode. Oh, I thought that was a sex thing. Yes, as I recall, it was like it consisted of like three random ingredients and then a blob of Vegemite. What? In a drink? Well, yeah. Well, that was the joke. <laughs> I didn't expect anyone to actually make it. 
So kudos, Alex Armstrong, you strange person. Beautiful. Uh, and then Humane Shield gives 199 and says, Lagers, the only thing that can kill a Vindaloo. Because that's a line from Red Dwarf that was spoken aloud by a character with a broad Liverpudlian accent. I promise you, no one else at the Escapist would have got that. So well done. That was a terrible Liverpudlian accent I just did, incidentally. You caught me I on thought the spot. it was great. Well, do you know what a Liverpudlian accent supposed to sound like? It sounded like that, and it sounds like your favorite game might be Persona 4. I'm just saying. That was oh, going back okay. to the Beatles thing, not the I Beach see. Boys. Right. Beach Boys yeah, you Liverpool. thought I sounded yeah. like a Beatle. A little bit. Aren't they from Liverpool? That's that street. Yeah. Isn't that street? Yeah. Abbey Road? Yeah, they're from Liverpool, all right. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Robert Johnson gives five Canadian dollars and says, New York Fries was bloody excellent. I miss them terribly. So maybe yeah. they were a Canadian franchise? Oh, so maybe the name was like a goof? I don't know. But yeah, all New York I know fries, is, the best poutine in Canada. Oh. Yeah, yeah. See, all I know about it was that it opened in the Queen Street Mall food court in Brisbane and it was called New York Fries and you could get poutine. Oh, gotcha. It's a chain. It's Man, a chain. I'm making myself hungry. I really want some poutine now. There is 120 locations of New York fries, including Bahrain, China, Egypt, Macau, Oman. Yes, Panama, Qatar. Are there, in, are there any in Northern California? That's what I want to know. Saudi right Arabia? Now. I don't think so. It doesn't even look like they're in America at all. Well, shit. Wait, it's called New York Fries and there's none in America? Fucking, it's going to wrinkle, wrinkle I your I guess brain. that kind of makes sense. I mean, that's what you call it if you don't know anything about New York, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. What time to be left? Actually, come to think of it, there was another place in Brisbane called New York Slice, which sold pizza. I don't know if what they sold was authentic New York pizza. That it just was sounds, just was it like a big floppy slice. Uh, yes, that's so, New York enough. So that's New York. Yeah, well, it certainly wasn't Chicago-style deep dish. I've had no. that a few times. New York is just big and floppy. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, like how Outback Steakhouse doesn't exist in Australia, says Poops. I think the problem with Outback Steakhouse, Poops, is that there's not really any such thing as Australian cuisine. Sure. Maybe kangaroo meat? There's nothing I would consider an authentic Australian dish. There's a sure. few like Australian cakes, like lamingtons and caramel slices. But I, I don't, I'm not sure there's much I could point to as like an Australian like recipe for a dish, unless you count meat pie floats. Which what? is not really something you'd have at a restaurant. Do you, do you, are you familiar with the concept of a meat pie float? No, I know what meat pies are and I know what floats are and I don't want, know why those are combined. Okay. Take a bowl of pea soup or mushy peas, take yeah. an entire meat pie and then just plop it upside down in the big bowl of pea soup and then put a really large amount of ketchup on the top. I'm already just, I'm just depressed normally when I wake up. Why would I eat something that would make me more depressed? I don't know. That sounded kind of grotesque to me as well. But I was, yeah. but I'm, a, I'm quite a fan of meat pie and savory sausage pie rolls? Aren't Australians, they got sometimes oh, yeah, yeah. sausage rolls. Well, they're, I consider those more British. I used to eat oh, okay. sausage rolls a lot in England. Gotcha. Kind of miss sure those as of, well. Sure but yeah, there was, a, there was a, like a street restaurant in Australia called Pie Face. Where you just buy a savoury pie with a bit of mash on the side, mm -hmm. maybe some peas, but never a meat pie float. 
Fungus Finder says, why does every escapist stream involve so much food talk? Because they're almost always scheduled during someone's lunch or dinner. And so someone yeah. is inevitably hungry on every single stream. Yeah, I'm getting hungry. It's about my lunchtime. Yep. Also, we're all from different places. So we've all got different food cultures to compare. Yeah, look, we're teaching everyone. A learning Okay, experience. one last super chat, then I can go and get my lunch. Raxaleus gives $5 and says, Marty, sounds like Poutineville are sellouts who are undermining the art of poutine. Also, New York Fries is a Canadian company. Yes, we'd established that, Raxaleus. Ironically, I went to Poutineville on a visit to a Ubisoft studio, so um, you could just replace Ubisoft in that first sentence. And well, if, sentence you, works. if you're going to Canada, yeah, might as well take the opportunity. There you go. Anyway, that'll be it from us. Would you like something else? Uh, I was Yati Akrosha, joined by Marty Slaver. Uh, if you want more of me this week, then I would advise you to tune into Zero Punctuation on Wednesday and the post CP stream, which this week will be. What will it be? Uh, oh, yes, Remnant 2 is this week's post CP stream. Ooh. And it will be this week's YouTube release for Zero Punctuation. The uh, members can look forward to something that isn't Baldur's Gate 3 because I needed a bit more time to play that. I'm doing one of my indie double bills this week, actually. Ooh, I bet I know one of the games. Do you want to hazard a guess? Is one of the games Viewfinder? Yes, it might very well be such a thing. Do you want to take a hazard yeah, a guess at the other one? You said it there. I feel like we talked about it and there was an interesting like, oh, those both involve a similar I probably theme. did, yes. I don't remember what it was, though. Okay, it's going to be Viewfinder and My Friendly Neighborhood as a that two for one. That was it. That was it. I think my, the only connection was both first person. And then Baldur's Gate 3 next week. Excellent. So what else have we got on the escapists generally? Oh, hang on. Yes, more stuff by me. Extra punctuation on Thursday, dropping for everyone. Oh and of course, a new episode of Enter is Nigh on Saturday, dropping for everyone, which you can watch right now if you are a member. Okay, I'm done. Now let's now plug everything a, else. A bevy of choices for everyone. Uh, Casey is out, but later today I'll be joining Jesse for Hidden Gems. Tune in for that. Tomorrow on the recap, we'll be finally doing... Darren is back and we'll finally be doing our Barbenheimer spoiler cast. Tune in for that. Um, Casey and I blazing through Portal 1 on Thursday, so we are going to finish Portal 1 uh, this week and immediately start Portal 2. Uh, Sunday, we're doing our all-day Persona stream, uh, so we'll be starting at 10 a.m. on Sunday and going all the way to 8 p.m., so tune Again. in for the, or 6 p.m. Yeah, they funded it uh, the, during the last one. They, fun they, they gave so much money to charity that we said we were going to do two more, so... All right, then. Everyone's very sweet. Uh, and then check out all the great stuff online or on, on, on YouTube. We got uh, Frost's latest Stuff of Legends on, uh, on an EVE online bank heist. Uh, we got Jesse's uh, Retro 3MR on uh, Silent Hills. All sorts of good stuff. Just fucking, just fucking eat, it, eat it off a trough. Just, just check everything off your poutine checklist and, and devour it all. I need to trim my beard. I need to trim my, my beard, too. My I need a fingers, My fingers keep getting drawn to my beard. That's usually oh, the sign. Oh, no. Usually oh, the no. sign, it's time for a trim. Oh, no. Uh, and then one last super chat came in at the last moment. Venomon Killer, member for 16 months in bonus content, and said, Daddy Nick likes Poo Po, which I believe is the uh, colloquial term for the feces police. The <laughs> Poo Po! <laughs> yeah, you don't want to mess with the feces police. Wee -oo, wee -oo. They'll, like, kick down the door and say, you're not wiping properly, and then they install a B-Day. 
One of those, uh, one of those really fancy like uh, uh, collectible statue companies announced a great mighty poo statue, and it's like several hundred dollars, and it's very ornate. And I'm like, who the fuck would have this in their house? Well, I got to imagine that's got to be a pretty easy build. You just sort of pile up some stuff. Um, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's and very- they could, and they could resell it as a as a master belch figurine as well that that's true from earth i would actually buy master belch it is 650 dollars. i'm putting a link to it in the chat because it is it is too what are we doing that's nuts if you have that much money just give it to me 40 dollars. it's yeah. on sale 40 dollars off us. if you order give it to us the escapist collectively yeah and we'll we'll create you out of paper mache a big old poo statue uh does it sing can you press a little button and hear the, hear the great mighty poo song it better if you can't what is the point of this well quite also those arms are absolutely going to snap off (laughs) in transit yeah those Uh. arms are asking for trouble Uh. just looking at it uh well that's it from me Oh, Timbo has a nice oh, message. Oh, here we go. Timbo, member for 32 months in credit, says, I'm an hour behind on the VOD, but keep up the great work, Escape his crew. Will do, Timbo. Now I I've got to go. Hour. This dog hey, needs walking. I want my lunch. And I've got a doctor's appointment later. So I've got some, a full day oh, in store. some poutine. That's poutine. But bye, 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 everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.